guys, it's great to be here with you. Good morning. Uh, Lauren, I feel the same way. I always feel nervous, like, coming up to speak. And I feel exceptionally nervous whenever I travel to other places other than, like, my home congregation to preach. But I don't feel that way here. Uh, like, within the New Life family, it's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm guest preaching somewhere. I feel like I get to go and be with another part of the family. And so it's great to be here, great to be with you all. And I want to just once again say thank you. Uh, I know some of you have been around um, New Life Midtown for a long time before it was New Life Midtown, Antioch, and I learned two other names beforehand as well. So Freedom and Springs Harvest, is that right? Kind of the whole journey. Uh, And I just want to thank you for all the gifts that you have brought to New Life Church, Uh, the strength that you have brought to our family of churches. Uh, You and your staff are such a gift to all of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, We began a series back in January, I think now, uh, walking through a series called Who is God? And spending time talking about the one God who exists eternally in three persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we spent kind of January, February, March, somewhere in there talking about the Father, and then spent Lent and Easter talking about Jesus the Son. And now we've been in this series talking about the Holy Spirit, which of course is perfect for Pentecost Sunday, uh, to be gathered together and to still be talking about the Spirit of God as we remember the Spirit being poured out on those early followers of Jesus as they're huddled together in that upper room and all that broke out of that space as they tumbled out of the room. People were like, what is going on? And then Peter stands up and proclaims the good news about Jesus. And then we have all these people, 3,000 people being added to their number that day and the church being born. And now here we are uh, all these years later uh, connected all the way back to that great pouring out of the Spirit and continue to find the Spirit being poured out on us. Today, we're going to talk specifically about one of the ways the Spirit is poured out on us. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and our creative vocation as the people of God. So we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 1, and here it goes. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and it was empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When God goes about creating the entire cosmos, everything that we know, we read in the scriptures that it was formless, that it was empty, that it was dark. In other words, it was like an Iowa winter. Uh, Just nothingness. I'm from there, so I can say that. Uh, but just dark and cold and empty and lifeless. But the Holy Spirit was present, hovering over it all. Throughout this series, one of my great hopes for us has been that we've seen how the Trinity works together. That whatever the Trinity does, the Trinity does together. That the actions of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are actually inseparable from one another. That the, the God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit are always acting within each other's actions. That they're always present and always at work together. And we see that in creation. That all three are present and active in the very work of creation. One of the early church fathers, St. Basil, said it this way in his work on the Holy Spirit. He says, the Father brings everything into being through the Son and brings them to perfection through the Spirit. I love that. The Father brings everything into being through the Son and brings everything to perfection 
through the Spirit. However we imagine that work. I love his imagination there of thinking through that. But however we imagine the Father and the Son working together, we can say definitively the Spirit is active in the creation of the world. We can even say with other people that have said this for a long time that the Holy Spirit is the creator spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the creator spirit. He is the one who goes about the work of creation, not by himself, but he is present and active in creation. He is the creator spirit. What unfolds over the next six days in Genesis is just breathtaking. That that which is formless becomes defined. That that which was empty gets filled up. That everything that was chaotic becomes ordered. That that which was only darkness becomes light. That everything that was uninhabitable becomes inhabitable. That that which was lifeless becomes alive. What we see the Spirit doing is transforming nothing into something. And not just anything, but something that is full of beauty and life, something that we look at and declare is good along with the Father. When God finishes, of course, all of his initial creative work, that first week we learn that he does all of his work in six days, and then he rests. He rests. And he sort of sits above it all. What happens for us, though, oftentimes when we think about that moment, is when we think about God resting on the seventh day, we tend to think that what is happening in that space is that the original creation, that all that God has made is sort of a static perfection. And that God places humans in this in order to simply not mess it up. That creation is sort of a static perfection and humans are placed there simply not to mess it up. I think the image that comes to my mind is, have you ever had that moment maybe when you were a kid and your parents gave you that present that you were always waiting for, maybe for something for Christmas or for your birthday, and they give it to you, and you unwrap it, and you're looking at it, and then they tell you, okay, but now just don't open it. Like, leave it in the box. Because if you take it out of the box, then you might break it. If you take it out of the box, then it'll decrease in value. This was the conversation with my dad a lot. We were, like, into collectibles. And so I collected baseball cards as a kid, so we get this new box of cards, And then my dad would immediately go into a thing. He's like, I don't think you should open it. Because it'll be worth more someday if you just don't open it. Like, just leave it in the box and stare at it. And then, you know, someday it'll be worth a lot more money. I was collecting baseball cards in the 80s. They weren't worth anything. (laughs) But we tend to think about creation that way. It's sort of a static perfection. You just leave it alone. But the image that we get in the scripture is that creation is not a collectible. We're not simply meant to preserve it. God doesn't present us with a static creation and give us a passive vocation. Something else is actually going on in these opening chapters. Read this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, God blessed people. He God blessed man and woman. He God blessed them. And he said this. He said, be fruitful and multiply or be fruitful and increase in number Fill the earth and what? Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis 2 puts it this way. Then the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work it and to take care of it. 
commands to be fruitful and multiply, those commands are also given to birds and to fish and to animals. Those commands are not unique to us as humans. They're not unique to the people who are made in the image of God. But there's four other commands. Subdue, rule, work, take care of. The language of the original language means to guard or protect. Those are unique to us. Those are unique to the image bearers. Those are the unique calls upon us as humans. But those verbs, if we really think about it, suggest that creation is actually a bit wild. That the created order, that what God makes is a bit wild. That Eden is a bit more wild than an English tea garden. Right? We tend to sort of think maybe, oh, it's just this static perfection. Don't mess it up. But creation needs cultivation. It needs care. It needs protection. It needs work. And all of that was true before the fall. All of that was true before our rebellion against God and his ways. Terence Fretheim, a Lutheran scholar, says it this way. He says, from God's perspective, the world needs work. Development and change are what God intends for it. And God enlists human beings to that end. From another angle, we can say this, my favorite part of this quote. God did not exhaust the divine creativity in the first week of the world. He didn't exhaust divine creativity in the first week of the world. Instead, God continues to create, and he uses creatures in a vocation that involves the becoming of creation. He enlists us. He calls us. He invites us into a vocation of continuing the creative work of God. The creative work of God continues through us with and by the Holy Spirit. We were actually created to co-create with the Spirit. But this is what we were created for. We were created to co-create, to partner with God in the ongoing creative work in the world. Tolkien describes humans this way. He calls us sub-creators or little makers are some of the language that Tolkien uses to describe humans. He says that even when we are going about doing these things, when we are sub-creating, when we are going about our little making, it's in these places that we emulate the true creator. It's actually one of the ways that we bear witness to God in the world. It's one of the ways that we carry the divine image is by going about a creative vocation. And this isn't just for creatives. We sometimes think of this and like, oh yeah, that's for the artists in the world. And I know there's several of you around here, like looking around the room, we've got photographers and we have dancers and we have singers and we have writers. You have so many creative people in the context of this congregation who are a gift to to this church and to the community, musicians and others. Sometimes we can think, oh, the creative work, that's done by all of those creative people, but I'm not one of them. What they do is beautiful and it's wonderful and it is a gift to us all. But as the people of God, we're actually called, all of us, to co-create with the Spirit in all of our work, both our paid and our unpaid work, <laughs> right? In our jobs or our careers, our vocations, and in our volunteer service, and actually all those little things that we have to do as a part of taking care of homes and yards and all of the other things that have been entrusted to us. That what we are meant to do as the people of God is to take what started in Genesis and continue it. That we're supposed to be looking around our world and identifying the places 
in our homes, in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our communities, and saying, what around us is formless? What around us is dysfunctional? And how can we bring about definition and function? We're supposed to look around us and try to find the places that are empty or void and say, what needs to be filled up here? And how can we partner with the Spirit in filling this up? We're supposed to look around at the things that are chaotic and confusing and say, how do we as the people of God bring order and peace and clarity to our world? We're supposed to look around and find the places that are dark and cold and be people that bring light and warmth and truth into those places. To look around and say life is not, an un- it's not habitable there. To find the places that are uninhabitable or maybe the places where life is unsustainable or the places that life is unsafe. And we're to be the people that come in and say, how do we help life flourish here for those who inhabit this space? To look around the places where we find nothing, or maybe we find evil and say, how do we partner with God to bring about good here? To find places that are lifeless and say, how do we bring these back alive again? This is what we're called to do in all of our paid and unpaid work. At the very heart of all of the things that we do is is an embodiment of this call. So whether you work in justice, or you work in healthcare, or you work in education, or you work in a nonprofit, or you work in food service, or you work in administration, or you work in finance, or you work in manufacturing, or you work by gardening, or cleaning, or laundry, or lawn care. Whatever it is in that spectrum, all of those things have places here where like, this is where we can go about co-creating with God in little ways. Whenever we do this, even in the smallest ways, even in the hidden ways, even the ways that maybe are only seen to us and only appreciated by us, because certainly our kids never say thank you. But in all of those places, what we are doing is we are co-creating with the spirits. And we are living out our creative vocation in the world. And this happens only with the spirits. We do not create on our own. We create with the Spirit. We see a beautiful example of this, Exodus chapter 35, around the construction of the tabernacle. Here, the people of God have been rescued out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They've been brought to Mount Sinai. God has made covenant with them. And he says, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people, and I want to make my home with you once again, similar to the way that I made my home with you in Eden. He says, so I need you to build me a house. And this is what we read in Exodus chapter 35. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with divine spirit. In the original language, it says he has filled him with the spirit of God. This guy has been called by name and filled with the spirit of God. With what? With skill and with intelligence and knowledge. Well, in, in what? in every kind of craft, to devise artistic designs, architects pay attention, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood and in every kind of craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, son of Ahashimach, son, uh, son of the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with skill to do every kind of work done by an artisan or by a designer, by an embroiderer in blue, purple, and crimson yarns. I'm not sure whose school colors they are, uh, whether you there's like the, the tabernacle is your home. And in fine linen or by a weaver or by any sort of artisan or skilled designer. 
Texas says that God filled these people with the Spirit of God to do this kind of work. So it happens for us so many times when we think about the Spirit-filled life, when we think about being filled with the Spirit, we'd immediately go to the places we normally go to. We immediately go to the spiritual gifts. We immediately go to things like speaking in tongues. Or we go to something like worship and the encounter that we have with the Spirit and being filled up. Or we go to ministry sort of context of saying, well, you know, like pastors and staff, like those people are filled with the Spirit of God so they can go about the work of the ministry. And we sort of, you know, sort of think about all of those things as being, this is what the Spirit fills us for. My guess is most of us don't think about our work, about our jobs, about what it is that we do Monday through Friday, nine to five, or what we do in the afternoon or on the weekends, the things that we put our hands to. But here in Exodus chapter 35, there's some jobs to do around design and construction. There's a job to do and the father calls and the spirit fills for that kind of labor as well. The spirit fills with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge needed to do the work. The spirit shows them what to do and how to do it and gives them the ability to do it. It's the spirit that lets them know what is needed. It's the spirit that gives them insight into tackling any problems that are going to arise. It's the spirit who has given them their experience and then maximizes their experience for the effort that is needed along the way. We sometimes think this is the work of the spirit and this is just the stuff that I have to do because I live in a fallen world. But the spirit doesn't work that way. He doesn't parse up our lives the way that we do. The same spirit that wants to fill us with spiritual gifts and all of those kinds of things for life in community is the same spirit that fills us to co-create with the Lord in the work of our hands in our day-to-day sort of lives. The spirit is the one who actually enables our abilities. The spirit enables our abilities. Can you stop for a moment and think about what is that you have? What are you good at? What do you bring? What are the skills? What are the gifts? What are the experiences? What are the talents? What are the things that you have? What are the things that if someone said, you know what? I know just the right person for that job. I know just the right person for that task. I know somebody who can help you. What conversation does your name come up in? Have you seen that as a gift? Have you seen that as one of the unique ways that the Spirit of God has actually filled you for co-creative work in the world? That he is actually, that's not just something that you're good at. It's not just something that you're like learned how to do, but maybe it's actually a gift that the Spirit has imparted to you. It's a way in which the Spirit has filled you. Or maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're experiencing some kind of lack. And you think about your either paid or unpaid work. What do you need? Maybe you've got a problem that you're just like, I just don't know the way through this. I don't know what to do about this situation. Maybe you're facing something. You're like, I, I just really feel like I don't have what I need. Have you thought about asking the Spirit? you thought about bringing that to the Lord in prayer? Because the same God that's concerned about all of the spiritual gifts kind of things is also concerned about your work 
in the workplace and everywhere else that you're doing business? Have you asked? Maybe you find yourself in a, in a situation now in life where your abilities have changed. You've had an accident. Or maybe you're facing a disease. Or maybe just the process of aging. And the abilities that you had in your 20s are not the same abilities that you have in your 80s. Not able to do the same things in the same way. Or maybe you're in a situation where your opportunities seem to have changed, either through job loss or through retirement or something along those lines. I want to encourage you today that the Spirit is still filling you. And the Spirit is still enabling you. Maybe it's different than it was before, but it still matters. It still matters that what you do still matters. And how you do it still matters. In your paid and your unpaid work, it still matters. And the Spirit is still the one who is enabling you. Maybe this morning you're sitting here thinking, like, I just, I got to be honest, Jason. I just don't see my work that way. I just don't see my work as something the Spirit is concerned about. I just see it as a job that I do, chores that have been assigned to me, a to-do list that has to get plowed through. Exodus 36 says this, it says, Moses then called Bezael and Aholiab and every skillful one to whom the Lord had given skill and everyone whose heart was stirred to come to do the work. Everyone whose heart was stirred to come to do the work. If you find yourself in that place of saying, I just don't see it that way, my prayer for you is that you would find that the spirit would begin to stir your hearts begin to stir you in a different way for it's the spirit that actually stirs our passions those desires that we have those interests that we have the things that we care about the things that we're concerned about those passions that we have in life it's the spirit that stirs those as well it's interesting in this passage at the very beginning it says the lord called these people and here it says moses called them Isn't that interesting the lord called them and then moses called them the Lord is actually always calling us into co-creative vocation with him, but oftentimes that call comes through other people. It oftentimes comes to us through other people. I just want to encourage you, if you're like, I just don't see my life that way, to stop and think for a minute, what have you heard the Lord say about you and about your talents and your gifts and your passions and what it is that you bring? Or what is it maybe you've heard the Lord say through other people? I remember as a, as a, a young kid and my family would occasionally go to church, and when we were at church, there would always be some program that the Sunday school was doing, or there would be programs at school. I don't know what it is about adults, but they always think it's just a really good idea to get a bunch of kids in front of people singing songs. <laughs> we just think this is the greatest thing ever. Um, and then they end up with a kid like me, uh, who can't sing on tune for anything. And so inevitably what would happen in every single one of these programs or at school at church is that the organizer, the teacher would come up to me and be like, hey, Jason, we're going to do this thing, and we need someone to introduce the piece. Or we need someone to read this scripture in the middle of it. Or we want someone to explain, like, where this song comes from. And we thought you would be the perfect person <laughs> to do that. You can say this part, and then you can sit down over here and watch your classmates sing I think that was the Lord calling me through other people into public speaking. It was maybe not the kindest way <laughs> that I heard the Lord speak. But 
what is he saying to you? What is he saying to you through other people? What, is, what do you care about? What are you good at? What are the things that have arisen? Do you see those the way that the Lord is stirring your heart? Everyone who has skills, it says. And everyone who the Lord gave skills. Well, which one is it? If they have skills, did the Lord give them skills? Uh-huh. Yes. What skills has the Lord given you? What skills are you honing? How are you using them for his gifts, for his glory, for the good of others? When I was in high school, my brothers, I have two older brothers, and they spent most of their sort of high school career in vocational tech classes. That every time that they had, uh, you know, sort of uh, an elective that they could use or a free period, they were heading down to what we called the shop area, and they were doing woodworking and metalworking and small engine repair and all of these kinds of things. Like our whole school had this huge area of training people to do this. And so when it came time for me to have my first elective, uh, in it was like, oh, you know what? I should do woodworking too. That's what my brothers did. So I should go and do woodworking as well. So I go down to my first woodworking class and I'm sitting there and then the, the teacher starts talking about all the things that we're going to do and all the tools that we're going to use. And I'm looking around and everybody knows what he's talking about. And I'm, like, I'm so lost right now. And he just keeps talking and I'm getting more and more lost and more and more confused. And everyone else feels right at home. This is the first time this has ever happened to me in a classroom setting. And I was like, I can't do this. I deal with a bit of perfectionism uh, a lot. And um, I thought if I take this class, I'm gonna lose my four point. <laughs> so I went and took a biomedical chemistry elective instead. It's like an independent study. I was like, I just can't do this. I can't do this. I want, I want to be a doctor, not a woodworker. So I'm going to go and do that as well. I don't have those skills. I don't have those passions. My wife wishes I would have stayed in that class. Um, but I didn't. I went and took something else instead. But what are those skills? Maybe it's a way that God is showing you how he wants to co-create with you in the world. It says everyone in that passage, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. The original language says, all who the Lord lifted their heart. What lifts your heart? What stirs your heart? What lifts in such a way that when you see something, you're like, I care about that. I concern, I'm, I'm concerned about that. I want to be a part of that. As I said a second ago, I always wanted to be a doctor. Actually, I wanted to be a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. But my fastball caps off like 60 miles an hour, so I didn't, didn't think that was going to be gonna be possible. Uh, so I always wanted to be a doctor. And then uh, after I came to the Lord at the end of my sophomore year in high school, uh, between my junior and senior year, something shifted inside of me. I got a chance to go away on this uh, really cool uh, medical opportunity and visit medical schools and sit in on surgeries and have all these conversations about medical ethics and medical schools. It was amazing. Uh, but during the course of that time, the most fun that I had was talking to other teenagers about Jesus. That's what lifted my heart more than anything else. And so I came back and, I, and my mom's like, so how was it? I said, mom, it was amazing. She's like, so you're gonna be a doctor then? I said, no, I think I'm gonna be a pastor. <laughs> She still hasn't picked her jaw up off the floor yet. She's like, I, I just don't understand. It's like, maybe you can major in medicine and minor in religion in school. Like, is there some way to be able to do this? 
I felt my heart lift. That's how I discerned what it was that I felt like the Lord was calling me to do. What lifts your heart? What do you care about? Bridget Beekner once said this. He said, the place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place where the Lord calls you is the place where your deep gladness, all the things that you love and you care about and you're passionate about, and the world's deep hunger meets. And then sometimes we can read a, a quote like this and it's incredibly inspirational, but that also can be a bit overwhelming, right? Like what the world, <laughs> the world's deep hunger. I don't know if I can identify what the world's deep hunger is. The world is a, is a big place. We can feel overwhelmed by something like that. We have to remember that the world starts right where we are. That the world is, yes, global, but it's also very local. The world is the place that we live, the place that we work, the place that we worship. It starts with our home and our neighbors and our church and our city. And what we're called to do is to see all those places of need, all those places that are not yet fully formed and functional, all those places where Genesis 1 hasn't taken its full effect. To be going about our lives and asking the Spirit to reveal to us where those places of need are and to see what stirs our hearts, what lifts our heart, what moves us, what we begin to care about. And then take all of those gifts and talents and abilities and resources and skills and experiences that the Spirit has given us and say, I'm going to co-create with God right there. As the band comes forward and the communion servers come, I want us to take a moment to pray today. So just wherever you are, if you want to just open up your hands. And maybe today you're in a place where you're like, I, I just never have seen my life that way, my work that way. Is anything the spirit filled? Would you take a moment and just begin to ask the Lord right now? Say, would you, would you change my vision? Would you help me to see my work the way that you see my work? Would you help me to see it as the way in which you, the spirit of God, have filled me for co-creative vocation with you? Or maybe today you're facing an obstacle at work, something that you're coming up against that you don't, you don't know what to do about. Would you take just a moment and ask the spirit, would you show me? Would you give me what I need? Would you give me skill and wisdom and knowledge? Would you help me? Or maybe you're just uncertain. Like, I just, I don't know where I'm at in this conversation. Would you ask the Lord just to begin to lift your heart towards him? Spirit of God, would you come and would you lift our hearts? us to start to care about the things that you care about and show us the very things that you uniquely made us for. Would you call us into that place? Help us to see it in the calling of it. Would you fill us for that? Spirit of God, we want you to fill us in every way. We don't want you to just fill part of our lives or fill us for things that we think, things you care about. We want you to fill our whole lives. Fill us for the things that you've given us to do. May we see all of our work as partnership with you. Doing good for others. 
come to the table today. I was struck by the fact that on the night that he gave himself over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus took bread. Bread that had at some point been seed that had been sown in the ground by a farmer, harvested by people who used their hands, turned into bread by a baker. Jesus took the work of their hands. When he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Then he said, this is my body, which is given for you. The work of their hands became a symbol of the kingdom of God, the very life of Jesus. And after supper, he took a cup of wine, wine that at one point had been grapes that had been carefully cultivated, harvested, and then turned into wine. By who? By people doing work. Poured into a cup. Where did that cup come from? People who had made it. And then he gave to them, said, drink of this all of you. This is my blood of new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of Jesus took the ordinary work of people and made it about something so much bigger and so much more and something more beautiful. And maybe as we come to the table today, we remember first and foremost the work of Jesus, the greatest work in the world. And second, then we ask Jesus, would you take our work, we place it in your hands, would you bless it, would you make it something more? Would you help it to speak of you and your kingdom? We're going to go ahead and come forward and receive the elements. Then you exit on your left, return on your right. For those of you who are visiting, if you want to just grab the elements and hold them in your hand. After everybody has received their elements, then we're going to receive them together this morning. These are the gifts of God that have been given for us, the people of God. And so we receive.
Jesus in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. Let's receive the body of Christ together this morning. work in the world and for the work that he's given you to do, the work that he's called you into, the ways in which God is relentlessly wanting to go about his work in the world by including us. It's always been his dream not to do it all on his own, to include us in it. Say, come on, kids, (laughs) come get in on this with me. His work is the ultimate work. His work is the great work, but he includes us in. So come do this with me, son. Come do this with me, daughter. So let's give him thanks for everything that he's given us to do with him. Even that is a grace. It's a gift. It's an invitation. So we give him thanks this morning. We give him thanks in song, singing our doxology this morning, praising God from whom every blessing comes from. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. I just wanted to make sure. I always have that moment like, did I forget something? <laughs> All right. 